0: Thank you Amanda Lewis for sharing a little of your story and uh, maybe you don't have a concussion and that stress that goes along with it, but I'm sure we all can mention something Pass the mic around, microphone around that we do have stresses. So. That's what we're talking about today. It's good to see you here. And again, for those of you joining us online, uh, thanks for doing that. We're talking about stress. We live in a day and an age of stress. It used to be just we'd think of adults, and we'd recall the studies that say that a significant percentage of hospital visits are related to stress and anxiety. And then it was the youth and our young people, uh, when they uh, did studies, they found a high percentage of students in university and college uh, uh, really suffering from stress and now uh, we have children uh, even young children uh, suffering from the effects of stress. I want to ask you as we begin are you stressed out? Is there stressors in your life? What are the stressors in your life? Maybe it's to do uh, with work uh, a significant number of us uh, suffer uh, stress at work Uh, maybe it's to do with financial pressures maybe it's to do with a health challenge you're facing or someone you love is is facing maybe it's to do your young person and his school and exams and and your future maybe it's the problems of society Uh, maybe it's a person. Maybe it's uh, one of your children has just got a lot of challenges and and you're stressed out about that. Maybe it's your marriage and there's certain things in your marriage and you're stressed out about that. Maybe it's your parents and some demands there. Uh, Maybe it's a boss. Uh, What is stressing you out? Today we're talking about stress. Someone has said, sometimes I get the feeling the whole world is against me, but deep down I know that's not true. Some of the smaller countries are only neutral. I think we can some of us relate to that as we continue in our series emotions and relationships we're talking today about stress but we're also talking about the emotion anxiety stress triggers produces a gamut of emotions i mean bitterness and anger and so many emotions but one it commonly um, triggers is anxiety and uh, just as we begin stress has more to do with the external pressures, pressures, demands. It's, it's external, where anxiety is more internal in nature. It's this persistent feeling of apprehension and dread. So we, we, we've got pressures on us, and we're just anxious about things. And today, as we learned last week, uh, we want to move towards God. Uh, if you are going to be Emotionally mature, if you're going to be closer to God and to people, um, it's not saying to yourself, I shouldn't feel this way, but rather it's when you feel this way, when you feel stress and anxiety, that you realize it can take you to a place of despair, despondency, bitterness, anger. But that same emotion can take you and you can move to a place of peace, of dependence on god and experience more of his peace and so as we begin i want to tell you you can learn to manage your stress okay manage not overcome because we need to realize stress is a part of life and as amanda shared uh, stress can be good uh, you stress is uh, good for us when Uh, We experience a car coming our way, and there's this pressure. The the alarm goes off in our body to get out of the way of the truck, the oncoming truck. So it is good. It can help us. Stress can help us um, uh, with resiliency, to build resiliency. It can help us with our brain function. We're writing an exam to do just a little bit better, short-term. But when we don't deal with it and it's chronic, that's when we run into Problems. So we're talking about stress and anxiety, how we can move closer to God and to others. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Psalm 55 or device, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at David and how he processed stress and anxiety, and then we're going to look at uh, some steps that we can take to manage our stress. And David uh, writes Psalm 55, and it's related to some events after he was king. So David faced stress and anxiety before he became the king of Israel, but he also had stress and anxiety after he became the king. And so this is a little later in his life. And let us begin with verses one and two. David writes this. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. David had a relationship with, with God. And he's crying out to God in the midst of his stress and anxiety, God, listen to me. Don't ignore me. Help me. And he's doing it because he's overwhelmed by his troubles. If you want a a recipe for stress and anxiety, just you need to have a lot of problems, or you need to have problems that you can't control, that you can't change. And we're going to find out in this psalm, David had both. And he is just overwhelmed with stress. God, are you listening? Have you ever been there where you just, you're overwhelmed and you, just, you feel like maybe my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Not sure if God is there. That's where David found himself. And he'd reached the place in this psalm where he, 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 he'd come to the place where he just he waved the white flag of surrender. God, you've got to help me. Because I've been trying to do this, and I can't any longer. I've been carrying this weight, but I'm done. It's over. I surrender. Please help me. So David turns to God in his stress, but then he focuses and turns to what's causing him the stress. He's going to talk about his stressors and how that makes him feel. Verses 3 through 5. My enemies shout at me. So his stressors were, in particular, people. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. That's what's stressing him out. Now notice how it's affecting him. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. And David is probably referring to the events of 2 Samuel 15 through 18, where David was king, but his son Absalom tried to overthrow his kingdom. Absalom wanted to be the king. And so Absalom had conspired with others in a coup to overthrow David. And one of the people, David, he's gonna talk in this psalm about a close friend of his, who betrayed him, someone who used to go to the house of the Lord with him and worship God had betrayed him. And David is like this is it's it's not only that there's people trying to kill me, but one of my close friends is in on it. And he's speaking of Ahithophel, who was his most trusted advisor. He was the guy that David always went to, "Do you think I should pass this law? Should we do this? Should we go to battle?" Should we and his friend Was working with his son Absalom. his, His friend not only just crossed the floor to go to another political party, but his friend was part of the group that was trying to kill him. So he's stressed out. He's overwhelmed. He's in a place of weakness. Have you ever been there? You're just overwhelmed and you can't stop shaking? That's where David is. And David, like you and me, wants to escape Right? The fight or flight response. He wants to escape. Look what he says in verses six through eight. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. How many of you have felt like that? I just want to escape. For me, it's not a wilderness and the quiet of a wilderness. For me, it's always been an island. It was the Caribbean island, a Caribbean island at one time, and then it was the Mediterranean, uh, island in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, but to be honest with you, my ultimate is to go to a French Polynesian island, away from just, just escape there where it's quiet. Now, there is a place when you're going through stress and anxiety to maybe take a break, to go somewhere where you have peace and quiet. But that ultimately is not the solution. So David says, I just want to escape. And then David turns, his focus has been on God, but then it's on those that are out to get him, as stressors. And then David begins to talk to God about the people that are out to get him. And he prays or he calls for God to judge them, to bring them down, to thwart their plans. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about imprecatory prayers. Do we pray them? We're going to talk about anger. But he's like, Lord, just strike them down. And then... In verses 9, so if that's verses 9 through 15, and then in verses 16 and 17, there's a shift. David has been moving towards a place of despair. God, do you hear me? God, strike him down. He's full of anger. He just, he, he's just, uh, in a sense, hopeless. But there's a shift, and he turns away from his circumstances to God. Verses 16 and 17. But I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night I cry out in distress and the Lord hears my voice. David does something and he doesn't simply turn on some music where he hears streams and waterfalls and birds. Have you ever done that? I've done that, right? Just try to calm you. That's good. And he doesn't turn and say, I'm going to do some deep breathing. My breathing exercises. You know, belly breaths. I mean, that's good. And he doesn't do so many things that we can do that can help us. He goes much deeper than that. He goes to God. But notice this. He turns from talking to God about his stress. Please help me. Please, you know, where are you? He goes from talking to God about his stress to talking to his stress or himself about God. He goes from praying to preaching. And we ask the question, who's he preaching to? When he says, I'm going to call out on God. God's going to rescue me the Lord hears my voice. Who's he preaching to? He's preaching to his feelings. He's preaching to himself. If you want to learn to manage stress, you've got to bring to mind who God is, what he has done, and what he's promised to do. You've got to bring to mind his character and his promises. And so that's what David does. He goes on in verses 18 and 19. He ransoms me or rescues me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. God who has ruled forever will hear me and humble them. Notice David's circumstances have not changed. He's still got enemies surrounding him who want to kill him. But he goes from despair to worship. God, you're sovereign. You're, notice the word there, king. You're king. Uh, you're the one who has ruled forever. It's this idea you're the king. One says you're the one who, who um, uh, uh, is enthroned forever. He's speaking of God's sovereignty. He's speaking of the truth that not one single thing, not one little detail in your life happens by accident. There's not one little thing in your life that God hasn't allowed for a reason you may not understand it. There's not one thing. David says, you rule forever. God, you're the sovereign one. But God, you're also the personal one, the God who loves me. You're the one who hears me, the one who rescues me. David talks about this God who knows and cares about every little detail in his life. So here's the fo- what we want to understand is that David, in this situation of stress and anxiety, learns to reframe his circumstances. He brings God in, you're here, you're with me, you're in control, you love me. And he begins to process his circumstances in light of God and his promises and his character. He, he's taking his circumstances that have been right in front of him and his enemies and he's bringing God in and pushing, which, pushing the circumstances back. The circumstances that were so loud in his life God, they're shouting at me. They're, they're out to get me. They're drowned out by his worship of God, bringing God into his circumstances. Now, please note, when you process that way, it's not like a one and done. You just simply, oh, God, you're in control, and you love me, and you're, you know, you go throughout the day singing, uh, sorry, kumbaya or something. You're just like, oh, I'm so at peace. He has to fight for God's peace. He has to fight for that calmness that God brings. That's why again and again, he's got God in front of him, but then he brings the circumstances back in front. And then he brings God back his circumstances. So look what he says in verses 20 and 21. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. So he's got his circumstances right back in view. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He betrayed me. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. He's got this person who betrayed him right in front of him. But then he brings God back in and he gives the invitation to you and to me. And he says, verse verse 22, give your burdens to the Lord. Peter says it this way, cast your burdens on the Lord. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. All of your troubles, all those things you can't control, bring them to God because he's got you. He will take care of you. Now notice though he says he will not permit the godly to slip and fall. And we ask the question, wait a second. I know Christians who have lost their job, who didn't experience a miracle with their health, or lost a loved one. What do you mean God will not permit me to slip and fall? We find a similar thought uh, throughout a number of psalms, one in particular, Psalm 121. And it's a psalm I, I've used in the hospital many times visiting with someone. And it's, I, I, I look to the, to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, he's the one that doesn't slumber or sleep. You've probably heard, you know, you don't have to stay up all night. You can go to sleep because God's staying up all night, and he's got you. He will not slumber or sleep. But then the psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 121, and the the sun will not harm you by day, and the moon will not harm you by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He watches over you. But we say, no, wait, I have experienced harm. What's going on there? And this is something you need to understand as you read the Psalms that are emotive, that are more um, descriptive in nature than prescriptive. But in the Psalms, this idea, he's gonna keep us safe and not let our feet slip and fall. It's this idea that no matter what happens to you, God has got your soul. He's gonna bring you home to himself. The sun, the moon, whatever circumstances you're going through, whatever troubles you have, your soul is safe with God. Your relationship with him is safe. There's coming a day where you will see God in the person of Jesus. And that's this idea that our God has got us, and he's bigger than any circumstances, the sun or the moon included. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Give your burdens to the Lord. He's going to take care of you. And then David ends with this. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young. But I am trusting you to save me. So David says, in a sense, I've been moving in this direction. But I'm turning and I'm moving in this direction. I am going to trust God. So let's look at some steps that we can take to manage stress. First, trust in the sovereign personal God. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? What does trust mean? It means to put your weight on, to rely on, to have confidence in. That's why we read in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So as I go through life, I can trust in myself and my own understanding. There's a place to try to figure your circumstances out. But ultimately, your confidence is not in you and your circumstances. You're leaning on God. But to lean on God and experience some of his peace, you have to know who God is. You have to learn to trust. Well, where does trust come from? Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to get the Word of God into you, so you know the one you're trusting in. You've got to, and someone, I just heard this week about someone that that was going through some Bible promises out in the mountains, you know, brought a little book, Bible promises, promises. reading them in the mouths. that's getting the Word into you parents i want to challenge you and encourage you the best time to help your children with stress is before it hits that you're building into them the word of god have you taught your ch- child psalm 139 where david says to god god uh, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be god you were you're sovereign you're in control do your kids know that the day they were born They were given that date of birth because God is in control. And the day they die, how long they live, it's also in God's control. You're teaching your child that God is in control, but this God who is sovereign also cares. You're teaching your child he knows when you sit and when you rise. He knows what's on your mind before you even think it. He knows what's gonna come out of your mouth before you even speak it. That this God who is sovereign and great and in control, also knows you and cares about you and is aware of what you're going through and hears your prayer, even though you don't think he does. And if you're gonna trust in this sovereign personal God, it means I've gotta get God's word into me. And sometimes you need to even pray, God, give me the faith to believe you. Because if you doubt that God is sufficient to handle what you're going through, if you're not sure that God really is in control, or you're not sure that God really loves you, you're not gonna keep moving to the place where you actually experience his peace, where you're like, okay God, you've got me. So trust in the sovereign personal God. Connected to that, when I'm trusting in him, it means that I'm learning to embrace my limits. Embrace your limits. And this is something that I was challenged with. So can we have that slide, Embrace Your Limits, up there? Yep. We embrace our limits. Did i not put that on the PowerPoint. Can we go to the next slide? Is it up? There we go. And uh, thank you. I just want you to track with me as I share a little of my story. I didn't learn for years and years to embrace my limits. I didn't manage my stress well. And I want to share just a little of that um, to maybe challenge you and encourage you. But when I came to Woodside, I wanted to be the best pastor I could be, best leader I could be, best shepherd I could be. I also wanted to be the best husband I could be, best father I could be, and all of that. And so I came, and um, as you know, some of you know, I speak on Sunday mornings, right? Which means you have to prepare for Sunday morning, and then after you you prepare, then you share it, which is is taxing to, to speak. But the challenge was, I was doing so many things as a pastor at Woodside that I never prepared the way I wanted to. I spent about half the time that I do now in preparing. So every Sunday I would show up and I was stressed out because I never was prepared the way I wanted to be. And then in addition to that, I wanted to be the best pastor to visit. And I love visiting people. So I was visiting, and I was also going to visitation. When someone lost a loved one, I was going here or there. I wanted to go as much as I can. Someone was in the hospital. I was going to the hospital. In addition to that, I was also leading the staff. We were short staff at times. i inherited heard a couple situations, and it was so challenging. I was leading the staff. I had all the staff reporting to me. Um, it got so bad that I said to two of our uh, to our ministry uh, directors, um, you know, when they kept coming, what do we do with this and these problems? I just said, Google it. And that's where I was. Just go- it was just too many people coming. And then in addition to all of that, I took things personally. If someone left the church, I was like beating myself up. It was just, it was terrible. My wife, my kids, who I loved, I had... No energy for them. Any little residue of energy I gave to my three kids and my wife on my day off, one day off a week, my wife wouldn't get anything from me. I was often miserable. I wanted to love her, but I just I couldn't. I had no margin in my life. I was just go, go, go. Two events that changed things for me. One was I was. Um, I had gone out to a, a visitation in a, a town north of here, and uh, after the visitation, um, I got in my car, and I realized I was out of gas, that I, I didn't know if I was going to make it home to Elmira or not, and so I went into the town, and there was a set of pumps, but they were closed, and, and so I was driving home, and it wasn't so much the stress that, that I might run out of gas on a country road in the dark, and there's nobody around. This was before cell phones, somebody, right? and I'd have to walk a couple hours home. That, did not, that, that wasn't it. But it was just living in a constant state of stress, and that was like the tipping point for me. Prior to that, there had been a three-month period where I was so de- depressed, and then later in ministry, another three to six-month period where I was depressed. There was two years where I really didn't have a Sabbath, a day off, because my mind would just keep going. Your, your alarm goes off, your body is just in a state where adrenaline and cortisol are just continued dumped, and I couldn't relax. There was hurry sickness. I was just constantly going, and I was just messed up. And so I'm driving home on this country road and I pulled over to the side of the road and I put the car in park, turned the car off, and I started to cry. And I couldn't stop crying. Previous to that, I would show my wife many times about my hands and how they they would shake. I was drinking Maylocks for my stomach, sleepless nights. I couldn't stop crying and it was there that I realized that I needed to do something. It's one thing driving with your car and the engine lights on, it's another thing when that thing is just blinking and it won't shut off and that was like, I need to do something. It was at that point that I said, I can't do this any longer. I got to do something. And then there was another event that happened. I was at an elders meeting one night here at the church and during a bathroom break, I was walking over and an elder had asked me, hey Dan, were you at so-and-so's funeral, someone in our, our church? And I said, yeah, I did the funeral. But I didn't tell that elder that that week I had gone to the home and met with the family. I had been at visitation, I had prepared a message, I had given a time to do the funeral and go to the seminary, and because of all of that, I couldn't prepare for my message on Sunday, so I stayed up late, didn't get much sleep for a couple of nights. I had a fr- my day off with my family was canceled. I didn't have a day off. Uh, an event with my kids that, on that day was canceled, and I did all of that only to start on Monday again, back in that, that loop. And I say that to say this, first of all, we need to be vulnerable with one another. We need to reach out. And I want to say, if you're a young person here, if you're older and you are carrying stress and you're not talking with anybody, you need to do it now, not later. I, I was like David at one point. I can handle this. I can do I don't need anybody to see that I'm weak. But I did need somebody to see that I was weak. And at that time, it wasn't too long after that that I started to open up to some people and today I I have people that I can talk to and that will pray for me. And I'm very grateful, I have margin in my life because the elders realized what was going on. They didn't know what I was going through, I kept it to myself, but, but, but they began to help. But that wasn't the only thing of just realizing that I can't handle this, I need help, I need other Christians beside me. It was coming to the place where David was, where it was like, I can't keep living like this. I can't handle this stress, I'm just not strong enough. And it was in that place of surrender that in time I began to feel and sense God's peace. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'll say, you know, Lord, I I give this burden to you, I give this burden to you, but I take them back. And I still do that today. I I take them back. But it was at that point where I really said, God, with my life, you've got it. If I can't prepare enough, as much as I want to right now, I'm going to trust you. If I can't uh, have enough energy with my kids, I'm going to trust you. Work in my life. And in time, God began to bring peace to my soul where I just gave him everything in my life. And today... Uh, Do I still have times of stress? Yes, I do. Do I have still times where I take the burdens on myself? I do, but I'm able to get to that place a lot quicker. Usually takes me a couple days. Something hits me and process it, and I can get to that place. But I have to fight to get there. And so I want to say with you, if you're carrying stress, reach out and share your story. But ultimately, you've got to wave the white flag and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you. Trust in the sovereign personal God and embrace your limits. And then just a few things as well when it comes to handling stress better, managing it. Mind your thoughts. Mind has the idea of regard is important. Mind your thoughts that you as a follower of Jesus are to bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, any negative thinking, any pessimistic attitude, you've got to bring that under the rule of Jesus that he wants you to think a certain way. So Lord, forgive me for thinking those negative thoughts, those things that aren't true. Friends, please understand your feelings and what you're thinking might seem true to you. But if you're gonna grow in your walk with Jesus, if you're gonna experience peace, you've gotta bring whatever you're thinking and feeling under the truth of God, who he is, what he's promised to do to you, what your circumstances are actually like. You you need to learn to reframe everything in light of God and his word. So mind your thoughts, mind your words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? Your words can destroy your kids or destroy people, or they can build your kids up, build people up. But it's the same with you. If you're speaking words of death to yourself, it's not good, you need to speak words of life, words that are true. And maybe you need to start saying, feelings, I'm speaking to you today. You're not gonna dictate my life. You're not in control of me. God is. And like David, says, I'm going to turn my eyes on God. He's the one that hears me. Here's the one that he rescues me. So we speak to our feelings. Uh, mind your relationships. Do you have someone that you can share stress and anxiety with? Maybe it's someone in your life group. Maybe you need to reach out to our care support ministry here at the church. But someone that you can open up with Mind your body, Uh, there's a place to exercise, exercise regularly. I find for me, I need to at least uh, two or three times a week get out and do something. And for you, it might be just going for a walk. But with your body, you need to exercise regularly. Breathing exercises, where you learn to breathe deeply helps. Uh, The proper diet, uh, eating right helps, right? Uh, When we are stressed out and anxious, we turn a lot of times to sugar, right? To, To chocolate and to coffee. I still turn there, but in moderation, right? I mind my diet, what I'm eating, uh, sleep, trying to bring that under God's control. Uh, Medication, if if someone needs medication for a short period of time or for a period of time, um, that might be needed as well. Mind your Sabbath that you would make sure in your life, if you want to handle stress well and manage stress, that you've got a weekly Sabbath where you're just taking a break. Whether you're doing a hobby or whatever it is, doing something, it's a break. And can I also say, you need to mind your uh, media intake. We are not built to take the stresses and problems of the world 24/7. There's a place to understand what's going on in our world, in our community and pray, but we can't handle all the the problems out there. And sometimes, and I wanna encourage you to, to mind your media, take a break from it. Guess what? your phone, you can set it down for a day. And even if there's something very important, okay, I'm gonna pick it up, but you just, you take a break from your phone, from media. And then mind your music, what are you listening to? And I confess at times, uh, there was a period of my life where I would listen to country music, and I'd just identify with all the problems there, right? But what helps me most is when I listen to a song about Jesus, and I can see his beauty, I can see his power. And sometimes I'll listen to a song 25, 50 times, probably uh, Spotify playlist in the past, whenever we went back, yeah, m- more than that. But it's in that that I'm worshiping, I'm drawing God into my stress and anxiety and pushing everything back. So I wanna ask you, when you feel stress and anxiety, where are you going with it? Are you moving towards despair and isolation and bitterness? or you moving to God and saying, God, I wanna fight for your peace, that you really are in control. Last week, as we began this series, my daughter said to me, she said, Dad, you know, you, you talk about Jesus always identifying with our feelings. That's true. But we need to remind ourselves that we can identify with Jesus and his feelings. We can, as the scripture writers, identify with his sufferings Maybe you've been rejected by a friend and that stresses you out. Be reminded that Jesus knows how you feel. But with that feeling, can you remind yourself that you're experiencing maybe just a little of how Jesus felt when he was rejected by people? If you're misunderstood and people aren't treating you right properly and you're just like, they don't get it, can that maybe point you to Jesus and you're like, boy, Jesus was misunderstood or maybe you've been betrayed by someone who's turned back on you. That can point you to Jesus and say, oh, maybe that's how Jesus felt being betrayed. If you doubt the sovereign power of God and the love of God, you need to turn your eyes each day onto the cross because nowhere is his power and love more clearly demonstrated to you than on the cross. That the God who loved you so much died on the cross for you, rose again the third day, and he's the one that says, until you get home, until you see me face to face, you keep trusting in me. May we all worship him even today. I'm going to invite you to stand as the worship team comes. They're going to lead us in a song. And as they're coming, I want to ask you, is there something that maybe God's spoken to you about today. Maybe you need to reach out to someone. Maybe you need to mind something better. Maybe you need to get some verses on God's sovereignty and His care. But God wants you to experience more of Him and His peace.